When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I want to wish you all a happy Halloween, and welcome to our Week 9 preview show. I'm accompanied by my spooky co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and the two of us were ready to break down everything that you need to know before this week's game, a wild card rematch against the Philadelphia Eagles. Nick, I had a question for you, uh, and I wanted to know what is your favorite costume that you ever wore on Halloween, and I hope it's not the one you're wearing right now on the show. Are you saying this is a bad costume, Will? Uh, no. Uh, favorite costume? Like, I've done this multiple years in a row, but I really like when I dress up as Sub-Zero. I get colored contacts, and that really throws people off when they see just clear white eyes and nothing else. But I think that was one of my favorites. I some, one year, I like painted my arms blue to make it look like it was frozen. That's always a fun one, and Mortal Kombat's been one of my favorite games ever since I was a kid. What about you, though? Oh, gosh. I think... See, I'm, I guess I feel basic, but I did like the scream blood mask where you get a squeeze like the little blood thing and everyone's dripping down. That was my favorite. Um, I'm embarrassed to say my least favorite was a costume contest for Boy Scouts. I think it was like third grade and my mom had me dress up as a witch. Not a Wiccan, a witch. I had the mole. I had the green face. I had the broom. I won. I got a $50 gift card, but that's still pretty embarrassing. Hey, you got you got a fifty dollar gift card. It's all that counts at the end. Um, we just need to uh, see proof, though. I think that'd be that'd be nice <laughs> to see. <laughs> you know, if I can easily locate a picture of my life in third grade, I would, Nick. But that's before the digital age, so it's somewhere printed, somewhere in an album. But yeah, I think there's actually a newspaper article, and there's a picture, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Small town Indiana, <laughs> they get they're stretching for news. <laughs> All right, uh, and one last question. Favorite Halloween candy? I just want to know. We're, uh, it's a Halloween night. I just want to know, what's your favorite candy for Halloween? Yeah, that's going to be Reese's because I think peanut butter and chocolate put that combo together. And it, I saw like a, you know how they have a map of the United States and they have what each state's favorite candy is. Apparently, Illinois is Jolly Rancher. Look, I like Jolly Ranchers, but it's got to be Reese's. I love my Reese's. I haven't, I haven't had one yet, actually, on Halloween today. So maybe after this podcast, that's what I'll go get. I had two full-size cups of Reese's. I felt pretty good about those. Those are my favorite as well. He said Reese's. I say Reese's. So you know what? I think I'll fluctuate. Candies. I'll fluctuate too. I thought you like, may have said both. Yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure I did. I'll have to go back and watch this afterwards to see 
if I actually did, but I think pretty sure I did. Uh, for everyone who's not watching Thursday Night Football and live in the chat, definitely throw in uh, your favorite Halloween candy as well, just for you know, just for fun. We love seeing those come in, and anytime we can interact with you is always pretty awesome. But Nick, uh, we do have a football game to get to, and again, we're a little later than normal. Went out trick or treating with the kid. He was Harry Potter this year. Just if you wanted to know, uh, put an image to your head. He went in as Harry Potter. He had a lot of fun, but a very cold, snowy Halloween night. But he got some good candy, so it's all worth it. And it's funny, kids, they don't care. They don't care at all. They're like, let's go. And I'm like freezing. I'm like, really? A whole nother block? But it's okay. Uh, but let's go ahead, Nick. But like I said, football game. And for this week's preview, I just want to rip the Band-Aid off and begin with that Bears offense, which uh, they were able to move the ball on Sunday against the Chargers, but those dreaded red zone struggles proved to be the dagger. Now, one area where the Bears offense excelled last week was running the football. So let's go ahead, start there, and begin the show on a positive note. On Sunday, David Montgomery, of course, hit his first 100-yard game, and the Bears ran it well over 20 times. And looking at Philadelphia, their defense is in the top 10, and both yards are allowed per attempt at 3.9 and per game at 90.5. Teams rush on them on average about 24 times, so obviously those stats are pretty well backed up. So the Bears are going to be tested in terms of the ability or if they're able to even establish a run. So, of course, Nick, I'm here to get your opinion on your expectations and whether or not the Bears can succeed with yet another week of a ground-and-pound attack mentality. So I think it's going to be a really good matchup between these two because when you look at it, like you said, the Eagles have been consistently good at stopping the run, but go back two weeks. like they Obviously, they did it. A- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Good job against the Buffalo Bills. Give them credit for having a good game plan set. And it really helps when the Buffalo Bills weren't able to really pass on them. And it's only a run-heavy offense. But go back right before that. Ezekiel Elliott tore him up. 22 carries, 111 yards. And as I was watching the tape of this Eagles-Cowboys game just two weeks ago, I saw a bit of the Bears in that game plan. There was a lot of eye formation and the Cowboys. Uh, it was Ezekiel Elliott up the middle who almost scored on a touchdown from the eye formation. He was down at the one-yard line, ends up getting the touchdown the very next play. I could see the Bears really adopting that game plan that the Cowboys had set. They didn't ask Dak Prescott to do much. You could do that same for Mitch Trubisky. But it all depends on whether or not the Bears have early success running the football because we know Matt Nagy. He was asked in his press conferences, like how many like I I formation packages did you even have in your you know in your playbook? He's like, you know, not as much as I would have, or not as much that I thought he had. So it all depends whether or not he has success early on because I think Matt Nagy's one to really just go away from the run game if it's not working and try to implement the pass. So I think that's where it's going to come down to: Will Matt Nagy commit to the run if it's not working early on? to set up other things down, you know, later in the game. But that's going to be what what I think is going to be ultimately where the Bears can run the football effectively. 
When I'm looking at Philadelphia's defense, Nick, to me, here's the challenge. Uh, the Eagles, they constantly run a four-man front. And what they do is they line each defensive lineman up inside of a gap uh, in between the offensive linemen. So that allows them, and it's worked really well this season, to get upfield, to gain that initial push, that initial penetration into opponent's backfield. And on top of that, their linebackers do a really good job of crashing downhill and their open gaps. So that entire front seven uh, they're very gap sound would be how I would put them. So that means the Bears offensive line. They're going to need to win their battles. They're going to need to be quick off the ball, quick off the snap. And obviously, uh, that's something we haven't seen all year. And the Eagles have a couple of really strong defenders up front in uh, Bradham and, of course, uh, Fletcher Cox as well. So those are two key guys. And I know we'll talk about the individual backups or matchups here in just a moment. But those are some key battles. And on top of that, uh, one thing I found interesting, you talked about the eye formation. And I envision that being part of the scheme because you're going to need some extra blockers if they're going to be lined up in those gaps. Some guy like a fullback, uh, like a Holtz, to go in there and get that initial hit on some free defender to give David Montgomery some sort of wiggle, some sort of running room. But weirdly enough, I looked at uh, splits from the Philadelphia Eagles defense and how teams are able to succeed against them. Uh, they are actually running out of the gun really well against the Eagles defense. They're averaging 5.3 yards per attempt. We know the Bears love to run out of shotgun, so maybe this is a week that that's actually a good thing. Uh, I don't think so compared to how we've seen our offense do it, but at least historically this year, the Eagles are giving up more yards you know, in shotgun than they are actually with teams lining up under center. So for me, obviously you said it, Nick, you have to run on the early downs. You can't get in a third and long against this defense. So that's going to be the key running on early downs. Uh, are you confident they can get it done? You said you saw the Cowboys do it. And obviously I think the Cowboys have been better at establishing the run this year consistently than Chicago has. Yeah, for sure. They definitely have, and they've committed, and they have the highest paid running back in the league right now in Ezekiel Elliott. So that's why you would want to commit to the run more often than not. But I think for this Bears offense, for what they want to do moving forward, for the success of you know Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy, they're going to have to do that because good things happen when the Bears are able to establish the run with the play-action game. But whether or not they're going to be able to, that's that's the question, Will. You, you brought up a very good point with coming out of shotgun. After the Bears had that first drive out of halftime, which most of it was in the I formation, they primarily went to the shotgun runs, wasn't as effective as the I formation was. So it's going to be a chess match between these two. And I, I know that uh, Matt Nagy, like we just talked about, would probably rather pass and is not, I guess, committed to the run, but it worked last week. He's got to build off of that. Regardless of the formation, give David Montgomery his carries. It seemed like when he was getting the ball, Good things were happening. Well, he just fights for those extra yardage uh, on every time he gets the ball, whether or not there's people in the backfield, he makes people miss. And I think that's going to be key in this game, whether or not the, the Bears will give the ball to David Montgomery throughout the entirety of the game. All right, well, up next, we are going to discuss a self-reflecting Mitchell Trubisky. But before we do, I do need to call a timeout to tell you a little about our show's sponsor, Wrigleyville Sports. Uh, Wrigleyville Sports, they are one of the premier Chicago sports merchandise stores in the entire city, and their goal is to bring the City of Chicago team gear happiness all to the fans. So if you're looking for any of the latest Bears gear, they have it. From hats and sunglasses to T-shirts and jerseys, make sure to check out WrigleyvilleSports.com. And they also have quite a selection of holiday merch. I was looking at them earlier this week. They have some Bears ornaments, some Chicago Bears gift tags. So definitely check that out as we're starting to enter that holiday season. And I can even uh, help you out a little bit. I can get you 15% 
20% off and free shipping on your order. And all you need to do is use our promo code audible for again, that 15% off and free shipping. And that's on any order of $25 or more. So if you're looking for bears gear this holiday season or heck any of the other Chicago teams, you really can't beat this deal. Again, head on over to WrigleyvilleSports.com and use our promo code audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E for 15% off and free shipping on any orders of $25 or more at WrigleyvilleSports.com. Alrighty, you're listening to Chicago Audible. I'm Errol DeWitt. Alongside of me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, it's time to take a look at QB10. Mr. Bitsky said earlier this week that he has rewatched the TV broadcast of the game to kind of assess his body language, and he didn't like what he saw. On one hand, for me, this is refreshing to hear that he's taking all things into account. And then on my other hand, I think he also maybe has some bigger priorities that he needs to kind of work on, in my opinion. So to begin with, Mitch, I want to know your thoughts on this self-assessing Mitch, because again, like I said, I tend to think he has bigger items that he needs to focus on, even though it is good to see that he's taking a look at how he can be perceived as body language and his leadership. Yeah, body language, and I'm wearing a Jay Cutler jersey. I know, right? So it it just all comes uh, together here. But I think it was Matt Nagy who kind of told Mitch Trubisky, if I remember hearing this right, to kind of look back, see what you're like, what's your demeanor like on the sidelines. And Mitch said that he just didn't look like himself. He likes to have fun, and I think – That is an important aspect in playing football. Of course, you should love playing this game. But like you said, there are bigger issues at hand. Make sure your footwork is in the right place so you can make these throws downfield. Make sure you're reading the field correctly. All these other things. But then again, Will, that's what goes into being a quarterback. There's a lot of other aspects. Just being a team leader, making sure the team is in the right place. Talking to players when they're down. Even when he's not playing right, he still has to account for other players. But I think at this moment in time, his priority should be himself getting right on the field, the play on the field. Not so much of how he's looking. He just he will probably look a lot better if he's throwing touchdown passes. If he's completing passes to open receivers, you'll see that maybe it's just not like a straight robotic phase. It's probably a smile, high fives down the sideline. So it is. A, I guess it is refreshing to hear that he's looking to any area that he can probably improve. But really, it's the play on the field that needs to improve most of all. Yeah, I figured you were going to say something along those lines. I just wanted to gauge your opinion because, again, this is something if Jay Cutler would have said this, and this is years ago, we would have been like floored. We would have been like, no way, you really are doing this. But like Trubisky doing it, I'm like, awesome, that's great. But let's also look at what you're doing in terms of your mechanics that we can clean up too, or your decision making, because those are important too. But I am excited to see if he does bring a different edge or a different mentality to this game, a little bit more passion. Like that quarterback who's spiking the ball a year ago and screaming. I mean, that gif, that video, like I want to see that guy. So I do want to see him have fun. I think if you do have fun, you let loose, good things will happen, good things will follow. But again, there are more than just his body language that he needs to focus on. But let's get back to the real question. Let's talk about this game. Uh, Obviously, we'll get to the specific matchups in the air in a moment. But what are going to be your expectations for Mitch against what is a beatable secondary against Philadelphia? Although they're starting to get healthy at, for them, they're saying it's the right time. For me, it's one week too soon. Yeah, it is one week too soon. But look, the Bears, they want to try and take advantage of the Eagles' biggest weakness, and that is that secondary. But the question is, well, can they? And it all goes on Mitch. Can he hit those throws? We've seen that up until this point this season, it's a no. It really has been a no, unless guys are wide, wide open. Like Anthony Miller was running across the middle of the field a couple of times. Mitch hit those throws. But it's 
it's the other ones where it's just a you're throwing to a spot and you're waiting for the receiver to go to that spot to make that to make that reception. I just don't know with Mitch Trubisky right now. I'll say that overall, obviously the offense were they were in position a lot more last game against the Chargers to score. They didn't take advantage of that. But I just don't know if Mitch right now can take advantage of a weak secondary. That's the whole thing. If he can, this is the matchup to do it. I know you have a Cravon LeBlanc coming back, who we're all very familiar with. Uh, I forget the the other corner. It's, uh, his name's escaping me right now. That's could be poss- uh, possible coming back this game, but. These guys have been having some miscommunication. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TemperPedic.com. Issues, and that's Jalen Mills and Sidney Jones. There was a play against the Bills last week where they failed to pick up the tight end. There was motion. Basically what happened, it was Cole Beasley motioning over to the right side where the sole tight end was. And for some reason, both the court, the DBs took Beasley. The tight end was running free. But here's the thing. Josh Allen didn't see it. I saw a little bit of Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky not taking advantage of this wide-open target. So that's going to be the thing. Can Mitch Trubisky take advantage of the miscues that are possible with this Eagles secondary? Yeah, and you talked about anticipation throws. And you said you don't know if you're going to get out of that. I can't remember the last time I saw Mitch throw an anticipation throw. Ever throw a guy open. He's always throwing when someone's already open, and that's why... Most of his throws are very tight. Uh, They're always kind of the ones that kind of make you hold your breath because he's throwing guys, unless they're already open and they're wide open, but he doesn't throw unless he's confident that they are already open. He just doesn't anticipate them breaking at the right moment and finding that hole in the defense, which has always been a problem. And when I'm looking at this game, I just feel like the Eagles are going to do things, even with those secondary issues, that are going to make Mitch uncomfortable. And he's going to make some of those bad decisions we're used to kind of seeing. Uh, and obviously, the Eagles, and we'll talk about the matchups in terms of the trenches, but they really do get after quarterbacks, and they play better when they're not blitzing. Then uh, that's obviously due to the ability to generate pressure with that front four. I think quarterbacks have only been able to muster a 90 passer rating when the Eagles are not blitzing this season. And just want to say, in terms of Trubisky under pressure, obviously we know it hasn't been pretty. I believe he's only completed 41% of his attempts under pressure this season, which every quarterback takes a dip, but 41% still way below the average. And even if the Bears move the ball and they get into the red zone, the Nick, I mean, I still get very worried about that as well. Mitch, and, and we can go a step further and even talk about the play calling because it is a combination of the two. Uh, but Trubisky himself... As a passer in the red zone, only a passer rating of 50.4 this season. And the Eagles, they have forced two red zone interceptions this year. So I, even though it's an exploitable secondary, I don't really foresee the Bears, quote, going off through the air in this game. I have to agree with you, Will. Uh, you mentioned pressure. I, I have some stats here from the Eagles athletic writer. Man, I hope I don't butcher this name. I probably am, though. Sheil Cabadia. And I'm just going to read verbatim what she, uh, what the writer wrote. The, um, the Eagles have produced a sack or QB hit on 22.6% of opponents' passing plays. That ranks seventh in the league. When rushing four or fewer, which is very important, it's 24.2% 
which ranks third behind only the 49ers and Patriots. The Eagles can get after the quarterback regardless if they bring the blitz, and that is scary because, again, this offensive line, I think, had, for the Bears, a step forward last week against the Chargers. But you saw what Joey Bosa, Ingram were able to do at times during that game. These these Eagles, they have some playmakers on that side of the ball. And Mitch Trubisky better be able to avoid pressure or get the ball out quick because they are coming after the quarterback. And let's just go ahead. Let's just jump into the trenches that you were right on topic here. And obviously you just said the Bears are going to be tested up front. And it's Halloween, so I can say that's a little scary. Uh, Charles Leno Jr. did say he would welcome a ground-and-pound mentality. We already mentioned it's going to be a difficult task against this defense, but also, you said it, the Eagles are pretty damn good at getting after the quarterbacks. Uh, Their sack rate's only at 6.8%, which is average, but it's not really the sacks. It's the amount of pressures that they've been able to generate. They do it like no other. Uh, I believe, obviously, if they do it, I already said they're going to put Mitch into, quote, panic mode. And I think the best place to start here in terms of players that we're worried about is going to be Brandon Graham. Uh, he gets after quarterbacks more than uh, Joey Bosa, just to let you know. Uh, and we saw what Bosa was able to do to us last week. And obviously, Graham, he's going to be primarily starting off against uh, Bobby Massey, who didn't particularly excel just a couple of days ago. Graham has 42 pressures. And so that ranks seventh of all edge defenders, which is a mixture of outside linebackers and, of course, defensive ends when you're looking at different schemes. So obviously that's a big one. He's going to be primarily, like I said, going up against Massey. Nick, how worried are you about that matchup? Oh, I'm very worried, especially on third down, because uh, according to Jeff Joniak, who I was just listening to the radio before I got uh, obviously here, He's got all of his sacks on third down, Will. All five of those sacks have come on third down. So especially if the Bears are not able to get good yardage on first and second down, that's setting up Brandon Graham perfectly. And like you said, Brandon uh, Bobby Massey did not have the best game. And I don't know why the Bears decided, hey, let's leave him one-on-one with Joey Bosa. Let's see how it's going to go. Okay, you see how it kind of went last week. You don't want to do that again for a guy that's arguably having – Maybe the best start to his season uh, as, an, as an eagle, as a player. So that is not a matchup I like. Again, like I said, the offensive line got, I think, a little better con- as, a, as a group. Individual play like a Bobby Massey, that's where I'm worried. And Brandon Graham, especially on third downs, that's one that I'm not liking. You better put some help. David Montgomery maybe with a chip block or a tight end. They have five tight – well, you know they have five ten- tight ends on the active roster, which I is – with the and, Bears, yeah, and they don't. Do yeah, anything, yeah, so. we do. They don't do anything. Yeah, they take yeah. a lot of. They take roster space. They they hang out on the sidelines. They do little special teams work. Do you miss Deion Sims? Are you going to say that? Are you going to go that far? Oh no? gosh, oh man, I forgot <laughs> about that guy. Wow. Hey, they're they're tied with or they're in discussion with the Dolphins. No touchdowns. That's a great you know just group or team to be around with uh, in terms of terrible tight end play sorry getting off topic but yes Brandon Graham is an issue uh and obviously the other main issue up front that's gonna be Fletcher Cox he already has uh 33 pressures on the year that's the third most of any interior defensive lineman he has four sacks we know what he can do he's a very nasty player up front in a good way uh he is gonna be going up against uh Rashad Coward that's a big one uh so can Rashad Coward hold his own uh, I don't know. And if he doesn't, obviously, then you're looking at James Daniels kind of helping out 
on that matchup. And if that ends up being the case, if Daniel has to help a lot, that's going to limit what the Bears can do in terms of running the ball. Uh, that double team's going to expose the offensive line and pass pro, especially if the Eagles want to send a little bit of a pressure with a guy like Nigel Bradham. But I was already talking about how the Eagles utilize lining up these guys in gaps. Rashad Coward's going to have to be quick off the ball. He's going to be on the road. He had two false starts last week at home. I feel like this is a game where we're going to see Coward struggle. What about you? Yeah, it's, it's setting up for that. And I think he was penalized three times on the day against mm-hmm. the Chargers. And if you have to put that extra help to a Fletcher Cox, that does just open up other things. And James Daniels, I think, had a better day. But it's it, it comes to, like, straight-up power where this is where he'll get overmatched. Flexer Cox, that's that's what he has, straight-up power to just drive people back and then just get to the quarterback up the middle. So that's a tough matchup for both those guys, and Rashad Coward needs needs to be better. And I think the Bears know that that's going to be a tough matchup for them on the interior, so you got to do your best to – you can't – look, you can't just run away from you know that side of the ball. That makes it way too predictable. They just got to pick and choose and be smart about when they're going to run to that side behind Coward because that's going to be huge to whether or not, like we were just talking about, they stay ahead of the chains, especially mm-hmm. on those early downs. So it's going to be a tough matchup. Well, Rashad Coward obviously struggled at home and had those penalties. Philadelphia's not an easy place to play in, and the Bears, I think, have lost the last four matchups against Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not a team they've had success uh, against you know, in the past and could be a tough matchup in the trenches for Rashad Coward and that, that entire offensive line. Yeah, and you, I talked about it, and you mentioned it too, but this is going to affect both the pass and the run game because if James Daniels has to help out Rashad Coward primarily in almost every snap, if he has to do that, we're going to have a hard time reaching the second level of that defense. And they're going to be able to you know, crash down and pretty much you know, blow up every run play they're able to do. And Nick, even if we run opposite of a Fletcher Cox and a Graham, they can chase that play down. If they shoot the gap quick enough, they can chase that play down the backfield as well. So even if you run away from them, it doesn't mean you're out of trouble. But those are the two guys that I have circled, underlined, you know, uh, outlined. Do you have anyone else you want to mention? Uh, to me, those are the big two. And if you can take care of them, they should be in okay shape. You know what? I saw Derek Barnett flash a couple of times, especially against the Bills, just against their left tackle primarily. He's just basically just using his hands effectively, getting around um, you know, the left tackle. And that that's a matchup that I am worried about as well. Because look, Charles Leno had a better day, but he, he hasn't shown or he hasn't proven that he consistent that he can consistently play that way. So that's just another guy. He has three and a half sacks on the season so far. Just look, the Eagles, they have so many players, so many ways they can get to the quarterback without bringing pressure. So it's definitely not an easy matchup, regardless of the tackle, regardless of the offensive lineman, because they do have some, obviously some good playmakers on that side of the ball. All right, so from the matchups in the trenches to the matchups through the year, let's go ahead and take a look at those because obviously, and we've said it, and I'm going to say it one more time, there have been some issues with that secondary. Our guests earlier this week confirmed that, but obviously we don't know if the Bears can exploit these matchups. So let's look at these as playmakers versus playmakers, and let's take Trubisky out of the equation here. Obviously, I've seen that the Eagles have allowed six wideouts to go for 100-plus on them this year, which is a stat that excites me. However, I know what this Bears passing offense can kind of not bring to the table. So when you're looking at the matchups through the air, Nick, who do you have uh, kind of on your radar? So I have uh, I have Jalen Mills on my radar. There's just a couple of times, especially in that Bills game, even though they weren't very successful at passing the ball uh, in that game, 
there there were still breakdowns in coverage and whether it was in zone or man and the the Eagles have done a lot of man as of late there was just there were breakdowns and I think Jalen Mills is a guy that you can I wouldn't say pick on because of how you got to have a good quarterback that can exploit those matchups but that's the guy that I'm kind of looking at especially if an Allen Robinson's on him or even an Anthony Miller who kind of had I wouldn't say his breakout game. He only had, I think, what was it, three cat or whatever it was last week against the Chargers. But that's a guy that I'm looking at where you just want to see if they're playing their assignment right. Uh, see if Mitch Trubisky is looking that way. Give him a chance. Like you said, this um, this Eagles secondary hasn't shown that they have been a strong unit. They'll have breakdowns and coverages, just whether or not the quarterback can get them. But Jalen Mills is the guy I'm looking at in this one. Yeah, he's a little rusty because I think he's been out for about a year with an injury. Last week was his return, so obviously he's knocking off some rust, getting back into game form. So obviously whenever a guy's uh, been behind, been out for a year, you want to kind of test him because he's not going to be completely up to speed. And other than him, I'm looking at uh, Ronald Darby and uh, Sidney Jones. They've each allowed four touchdowns apiece. They're beatable this season. And obviously, when I'm looking at the Bears in terms of just how they should attack this defense, I do see the need for the Bears to push the ball down the field like they did last week and not really try that dink and dunk mentality. You can exploit a couple of these linebackers. Their safeties haven't been anything to write home about. Uh, so for me, I would like to see the Bears push that ball down the field. But this is one of those weeks where I actually don't have many, quote, matchups. I'm not going to say, you know, put Allen Robinson on Sidney Jones. I mean, that's a simple one. You can see Allen Robinson in the slot doing stuff like that or an Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel, but I don't know where the targets are going to go, Nick. Each week we feel like we have an idea, but they don't get divided up or they don't really go how we're anticipating. So I'm just looking at the Eagles, and I feel like, yeah, each guy's beatable, but can the Bears still beat them? And I don't know. So I don't really have matchups this week. It's a little weird. Yeah, that that's the thing. It all comes down to number 10, whether or mm-hmm. not he can exploit those matchups. All right, and I just have one more big-picture question on this offense, and I like to take a step back and reflect. So looking at the big picture, uh, obviously this is going to be a little bit larger than just the game this week, but I did want to discuss the relationship between Matt Nagy and Mr. Trubisky, and I think this has been a conversation that's been going on this week, which is hilarious because I've been kind of in the dark. I've been working a lot, and I've I've been off Twitter, social media, and then I gave you this question this morning, and I think I saw a few people asking similar questions, but I want to know at what point does Nagy stop forcing Mitch to run his offense, but instead starts tailoring the offense to Mitch's strengths because is the offensive woes as of recently more on Nagy as the coach, not adjusting the offense to fit the talent, or is the problem more on Mitch not being able to play within the offense Matt Nagy wants to run? Obviously, there are two sides to this equation. And so for me, I believe it was first on Mitch because he wasn't picking up the offense as they expected, as they were hoping. And at some point, I say now that we're in the second half of the season, that's going to be more on Matt Nagy, not adjusting to his offense to kind of tailor the quarterback, which means he's being a little bit maybe too stubborn. Where do you kind of fall on that? I think it's got to be somewhere in the middle, Will, because it's it's on both parties here with Mitch and Nagy. I think someone asked – one of the reporters asked him uh, – I think it was Adam Johns actually from The Athletic asking, are, is Mitch Trubisky's eyes where Matt Nagy's are on a, on a given play, just looking at where he should be looking at? And I think Mitch responded with, yes, they are. So he's looking the right way, but it's just actually executing a play. And that's what kind of hinders – Matt Nagy's play call, whatever it may be, even if it is one that's drawn up to be perfect, it's about executing at the end. But then you have to take into account, look, we're halfway through the season now. Obviously, Mitch isn't at the point where you like him to be. 
we have to tailor the offense to where he's at. Not where you want him to be, but where he's at. Where he's at is not obviously a good point right now. But for for the sake of this season, we don't know what the future is going to be like for Mitch Trubisky. If he's going to even be here, he needs to adjust. And I, I've heard like the, these discussions, seen him on Twitter, seen him on you know sports or heard him on sports radio, that the Bears need to, I guess, cater to the talent around them. Well, the Bears, I think, have the talent around them to run Matt Nagy's system. They also have the talent to adjust as well. So, so I think it's a flexible unit, but I think it's it's got to be right in the middle. Well, there's I don't think one side outweighs the other. I do put I personally I just put more blame on Mitch because he's just not hitting these throws, just not making the right decisions. Because Matt Nagy, even though he has made some questionable, very questionable calls, especially just look at all the calls in the red zone. There are plays where Mitch, if he just makes a throw, it kind of puts all that out the window. There's a slant to Allen Robinson that's behind him. There's obviously the big one, the Taylor Gabriel throw. So there are plays to be made. He just hasn't made them. So if I had to lean, it would be like 51% Mitch, 49 <laughs> Matt Nagy. Wow, if that's you, precise. If, if I had, very precise. I did math there too, so it all worked out. See, I look at this a little bit differently. Maybe it's being a parent, but imagine you have a kid and like I use mine, but this isn't a good example and he's a really good reader, but he's in first grade now and say he's not at a first grade reading level, which we're expecting him to be at that first grade reading level, but we're trying to force him to do first grade reading and he's not grasping it. So me as a parent, his teacher, we need to understand that, reflect it and adjust our you know, teaching mechanism to kind of go back a little bit to tailor what he's strong at, build up his confidence, and then work his way back into a, maybe what a normal reading level would be, if that makes sense. So the thing is, though, is Mitch not— This is football. Is he just—yeah, <laughs> no, well, that too. Uh, but is does Mitch just not understand the offense, or is he just not executing the offense? I think there's— There's, there's, there's both, because—no, it's both, because his decision-making proves he's not understanding it. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with you there. So I think it, there's just so many little nuances to why. And it, you put this all together. That's why the Bears offense is what it is right now. If Mitch took the jump that we were all expecting, these numbers, the wins and losses would probably be a lot different. But it just hasn't come all to fruition. And that's why the Bears offense is, is what it is. But yeah, I don't, like I said, 51 to 49. 51 to 49. It's not like there's a clear-cut reason why um, you know, this offense has been as bad. I, I think as you hit on a good point, though, is why it's so frustrating because you said, what is it? Is he not grasping it or is he not executing? And I do think when you actually reflect on it, it's both, and it depends on the play. But we see yeah. him misplays with his arm, his mechanics, and we see him miss it with his mind. And that's what's frustrating because it's, it's a combination of the two, and it fluctuates by game, by week, by series, by play. So that's what's really frustrating about this entire situation, which I think that's why you get so many you know people who are so frustrated and angry. Like, we're frustrated. We expected more. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's one clear answer. And if there was, we would have seen a little bit more growth. But, yeah, it's a little bit. It's a combination of the two. But I think it's every party involved. They need to look in the mirror, figure out what they need to do week by week to figure out what they need to do to win a game. But, Nick, anything else on the Eagles' defense or the Bears' offense hitting in this week? I have one tasty nugget whenever you want to pass it over to me. Ooh, I want to know what that tasty nugget is, Will. Let's hear Man, it. That's, that's a terrible analogy. I just <laughs> whiffed, whiffed out there. But uh, for me, a key to this game for the Bears, especially with this defense, and this could be a key each week, but I think it proves true 
uh, on Sunday is have a fast start. Uh, the Eagles, they've given up 51 first quarter points and they've allowed teams to score on their first possession on six of their eight games this year. So maybe the Bears can capitalize on a really strong opening script, get a lead and have that defense play with some sort of lead this week. And that could be enough to make the Eagles play from behind a little bit. And then that could help the Bears in their chances of winning this game because I want them to take advantage of the Eagles' inability to stop teams on those opening drives because I don't want to be the third team that wasn't able to score against the Eagles. I want to be that seventh team that was able to do it. So that's my tasty nugget, Nick. Anything else you have? I don't. I just think that probably after this, I don't know if we're ever going to hear the tasty nugget ever again. No, we're not. And that's <laughs> the last time I'm going to you know, go with the TN here on the podcast. And moving over to red zone third down real quick, the Bears offense in a red zone. I told you last week, I felt like the stats there were uh, inf- uh, infatuated a little bit. And they came down to earth real quick. They're now 21st in the NFL, only scoring on 52%. Don't need to mention what last week did to that number. But just in case you wanted to have a reminder, it wasn't really good. Uh, the Eagles defense isn't really good either in the red zone. They're all allowing teams to score touchdowns on 57%, which is 22nd in the NFL. And then on third down, uh, it's pretty close. The Bears offense, they're 26th in the NFL, only converting on 33% of all third downs. And the Eagles defense is 13th, allowing offenses to convert on 38%. So the Bears, in terms of third down success, it looks like it's going to be a pretty tough week, at least to improve upon their already dismal average. Uh, it's time to find out who has the edge, though. And Nick, over to you first. Bears offensive line versus uh, you have, of course, that Eagles pass rush with Fletcher Cox and Graham coming down at you. Uh, I think I have to give it to the Eagles pass rush. They have a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback regardless of their blitzing or not. And, yes, the Bears offense did have a better day against the Chargers, but that Rashad Coward matchup scares me. The Bobby Massey the right side of the line, let's just put it that way, scares me a little bit in this one. So I have to give it to the Eagles' uh, pass rush. Uh, For me, I'll go to the Bears' ground game, Eagles' run defense. I'm going to give this one to the Eagles' run defense. They're top 10 for a reason. And yes, the Bears had a pretty good game on the ground, but that was just one good game. So I can't really jump on the wagon and believe that they can do that consistently. We just have no idea if that's going to be the case. And I do believe it's probably more likely it's not the case than it is. Kind of like what we saw against the Broncos. And then it kind of fell off yet again. But hopefully that's uh, not going to be quite as severe. I would love to be proved wrong. But as of today, I'm going to have to go with uh, the Eagles run defense. So Nick, the one that we're going to share, Bears passing game versus that Eagles secondary. So the the Eagles secondary is bad. So I would just a matchup our wide, the Bears wide receivers against them, yes, I give it to the Bears. Now let's put Mitch in the equation. Ugh, I think I have to go with the Eagles. And unfortunately, unless – yeah, I have to go with the Eagles. I just can't – I can't trust Mitch right now. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is what I have in my notes. I just have Eagles. You have Allen Robinson. I don't know what you're going to get out of the tight end. Uh, based off the week. I don't know what you're going to get out of some of these wide receivers as well that's not named Allen Robinson. Uh, So for me, if they find a way to shut down A-Rob, the Bears could be in for a tough day trying to move that ball through the air. So for me, 
even though the Eagles this season have been very much a revolving door in that secondary, like I said, they're starting to get healthy at the wrong time for us. And of course, the Bears, they just haven't found really much of a groove, a consistent groove in terms of passing the ball. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one to the Eagles as well. And Nick, I am replacing the X Factor this week. You have no idea this is happening. So you can tell that uh, you're going to be thinking on the spot. I want you to give me one player who's going to give us a trick and one player that's going to give us a treat. A trick meaning a bad game, a treat meaning a good performance. And I'll go first. That way you can have some time to think about it. So for me, I'm going to go with David Montgomery giving us the treat. He's going to have some of those best three-yard runs that you've ever seen. Uh, but I think the Rashad Coward is going to be the trick, like we mentioned. He's going to have a rough go at it against Fletcher Cox, uh, and that's going to be enough to really hinder the offense all game long. Probably some untimely false starts that are going to you know, move the Bears backwards in a hostile environment. So I think our treat in offense will be David Montgomery, where maybe the trick will be Rashad Coward. How about you? I wanted to go really weird with this answer, but it's going to be very specific for the treat. The treat is actually going to be Mitch Trubisky's legs because I think this is a game where he's going to have to use his mobility to get outside the pocket to avoid this pass rush. Josh Allen last week had eight carries for 45 yards and was able to do some good things on the ground. So that's the treat. I think Mitch Trubisky has his best game on the ground. Could have been a bold prediction, but. I'm not saying that, but I think that's a treat. The the trick, I have to go with Bobby Massey. Uh, again, he didn't have a very good performance with you know the Chargers' best pass rusher in Bosa. Now, it doesn't get much easier this week with everybody that the Eagles have on that defensive front, that front seven. So there's the trick, very specific, and there's a treat. Yeah, it looks like you and I are both having nightmares about that right side of the offensive line. Yeah, and that's not a it's not a good nightmare to have for sure. No. All right, let's go ahead though. We're halfway through the show. It's time to take a look at that Bears defense, which outside of about two drives, did a pretty good job against the Chargers a week ago. And one area of their game that kind of came back was the resurgence of the run defense. Roquan Smith looked like who we thought he should be. Danny Stravathan had himself a very stellar game, and the Bears' run defense was back to form. This week's going to be a huge test. The Eagles are fifth in the NFL in rushing yards over the last three weeks, and they've ran it for over 100 yards in six of their eight games. So, Nick, when you're looking at the Eagles' rushing attack, and hello, Jordan Howard, nice to see you, and Miles Sanders, I want to know, how do you see the Bears stacking up here? Because I'm envisioning a Jordan Howard who's going to be playing with passion and purpose and give us some moments where maybe we regret not having him on the roster. It's just how these games kind of tend to go, right? Yeah, it has been. And you think about Alshon Jeffrey in the wildcard game. He did have a good game against the Bears. But I don't see that happening with Jordan Howard. Uh, he's the same. Look, he's the same guy that he was in Chicago. And that's a, a good football player. He's he's falling forward. He's getting these tough yards. He's being a good pass blocker. He's the same guy. And he's having some good success there in Philadelphia. But now he has to actually go against the Bears defense. And if you can't make people miss, there's not a lot of holes, I would say, in this Bears. And they did a good job against the Chargers. And they're two running backs last week. There's a couple of individual runs. You think about the Melvin Gordon, you know, touchdown run that kind of broke through. But I don't see that being an issue with Jordan Howard. I'm more concerned about Miles Sanders. He's more of a big play type of guy. And I know he got injured in that game against the Buffalo Bills. But it looks like he's going to give it a go this week. So in terms of the guys, and I know Howard had, I think it was 96 yards, if I'm not mistaken, last week against the Bills. Yeah, 23 carries. 96 yards and a touchdown, a long of 20 yards. 
I don't see him having that much success against the Bears. And Bilal Nichols, who we'll probably get to in a little bit, he's got a little bit more mobility in that hand with uh, just coming off that injury. I think that's a big factor for him. He was talking today on the radio show with Jeff Joniak saying it was it was just different having that cast on his hand because all defense alignment have to do is you work, use their hands. So I think that's going to be a big factor in this one. But I don't see Jordan Howard being the threat or having that revenge game like Alshon Jeffrey did in that wild card game. I hope he doesn't make me eat my words, but that's just how I'm envisioning things. If you do, it probably would taste worse than a tasty nugget. <laughs> well, it's a tasty nugget, though. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I did have one question. What does it mean if I, if I wore my Jordan Howard jersey on Sunday? Like, what does that mean? Because uh, I, I, it's the only recent Bears jersey I own just due to my really terrible luck with jerseys. As we know, they never send a stick around or things happen. Does, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think you would be supporting the Eagles. Then so, I can't wear it. Okay, deal. I just wanted to know. Cause I was yeah, like, no, I, does, mean, I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. <laughs> I, I can see it go either way. But getting back to the topic at hand, uh, for me – I really do think this comes down to the Bears' defensive line because Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, they're a big reason why the Bears' run defense is so good. But the defensive line struggles, and the Eagles' offensive line is really good at reaching the second level. If they do it as good as they've been doing it this season and they can get you know some hat on the heads of Trevathan and Smith, there's going to be some running lanes for Howard or Miles Sanders. And obviously Sanders, he's a very good back. He knows how to make people miss. I do expect that one-two punch from me. I envision them giving the Bears' defense some problems. I think they could potentially rush for over 100 yards. I would say my max, I envision them going, is like about 120. But I do see, I just have a gut feeling like Jordan Howard's going to have a bigger game than we would anticipate due to a talent perspective, just due to the nature of how these games tend to go against us in the other team's favor. And just a quick side note about the Eagles running attack and for the Bears defense, they just need to be smart and be aware, uh, especially when the Eagles are under center, because when they are, they run it on 80% of those snaps. So if you see the Eagles under center, you have an 80% chance of running the ball, which of course leads to the well will. There's a 20% chance of potential play action, and Carson Wentz is a good quarterback on play action. And I'm like, that's a really good point, and that's why I'm not Chuck Pagano, but just something to pay attention to uh, when the Eagles are under center. They do tend to run the football a lot, and they do tend to start the game I've seen a lot of Eagles fans being disgruntled that they try to usually start games with three straight runs, like just to really send a physical tone lately. And they're like, okay, we're tired of it. Let's try to pass the ball on some of these opening drives. So just something else to kind of pay attention to. But let's go ahead. You said you wanted to talk about the battles up front for that Bears defense. And like I said, going up against a pretty decent offensive line, one of the best in the league at run blocking. They have some... Uh, issues, and not major ones, though, in terms of pass protection. So what matchups are you paying attention to on Sunday? And you better have Khalil Mack versus Andre Dillard, who's a rookie left tackle, on your radar. Yeah, that's definitely one that, um, you know, is a matchup that he needs to he needs to win. Khalil Mack only had a, he had a sack last week against the Chargers. and But over the course of this three-game losing streak, he hasn't been as effective or impactful as a lot of Bears fans would like him to be. But... It's the right tackle, actually, with Lane Johnson. He hasn't been as dominant as he has been in years past. There are times where I'm watching Johnson. He's getting beat, especially in that Buffalo Bills game. And I think that he's having just a down year right now. I don't know if that means that Leonard Floyd's going to win his one-on-one matchup because he has been completely non-existent. But last last time they played in that wild card game, the Eagles offensive line got the better 
of this Bears defensive front and was able to move the pot or just move, you know, these defensive guys. But I think Lane Johnson's not playing the best football right now. And so that's a guy that I'm looking at and Mac and Floyd will, you know, fluctuate on both sides. And I think you just have to win those one-on-one matchups, especially when a guy is not playing. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it up to his standard. But that's the guy that I'm kind of watching for. Usually that would be, you know, a tough matchup, but just the way he's been playing, I'm going to have to go with that matchup, whoever's on him. So whoever's on him, even a Leonard Floyd, do you feel confident? Because obviously that's what I have. I'm like, if Leonard Floyd can't exploit one of these tackles, whether it be Dillard or Johnson, either on the left or the right side, there's a problem. And there already has been a problem, but I think that problem will be magnified a little bit this week because either way, either side you line up, either of these outside linebackers on, they should win these matchups. They should. And yeah, to answer your question, I'm not, not all too confident in Leonard Floyd. I have to see it. That's the thing. I haven't seen it. So there's no reason for me to be confident in Floyd. You know, ask me this after week one, then of course, but after that week one game, it hasn't been, there hasn't been much of Leonard Floyd. He needs to be an impactful player and uh, just a good compliment to a Khalil Mack. That's how Mack can get going if Leonard Floyd gets going. And this could be a matchup where maybe he has a breakout game, but I'm not going to put any money on that because I just haven't seen anything from Leonard Floyd. Right. When you're looking at Dillard, he does have the team high in sacks allowed with four. Uh, he's allowed 19 pressures. Lane Johnson as well has allowed 19 pressures, and he does lead all offensive linemen on the Eagles and penalties with four. So really, no matter what, if you're getting sacks or you're drawing holds, those are two great ways for the Bears against these tackles to find a way to change this game and push Philadelphia backward, make life difficult for that offense, which... They've been doing really good at running the ball, but they haven't been able to really pass it as well. And we'll talk about why in just a little bit. Uh, the only other radar on my guy on my radar I have is their left guard, Isaac Sayamalo. Uh, he has three sacks allowed. He has 19 pressures allowed this year. He's been a weakness in the interior of that offensive line. So any uh, interior defense lineman for the Bears, because I know they rotate him around. So if you're looking at like a Roy Robinson-Harris, a Bilal Nichols, a Nick Williams, those are the guys that, and again, Someone needs to step up. Eddie Goldman, and not maybe in that specific matchup, but I said it for the last few weeks. Someone inside needs to step up to have some interior presence because if not, all the focus is on the outside. All the focus is on Khalil Mack and even a little bit of Leonard Floyd, and that's why we're not seeing them have the type of pressure, have the type of impact that they should be having. It's because the guys in the middle aren't helping them out. It's all symbiotic up front. And if one area struggles, they all struggle. So they need to have someone up front in the middle to do something like Akeem Hicks would do. And that's what we're missing right now from that Bears defensive line. Do you have any other key battles up front, Nick? No, not necessarily. I mean, there are bits, there are times where I've seen even Jason Kelsey, who is a veteran, a, obviously a very good football player. He got mixed up on a stunt that the Buffalo Bills ran last week. And these are very, these are individual plays. It's not consistently that these guys are giving up pressures or these sacks, but that doesn't mean that the Bears can't take advantage of the right opportunity, the right time to get pressure at Carson Wentz. And he's been he's been under some pressure as of late uh, against the, the Buffalo Bills, the Dallas Cowboys. They were able to get to him. So 
I, I think somehow, some way, the Bears are able to win these one-on-one matches. I said I wasn't very confident in Floyd, but this Eagles offensive line hasn't been as dominant as it has in years past. So the Bears just got to – I think it's going to come down to Chuck Pagano just getting creative. I, we haven't seen as many, and I'm kind of surprised by this, Buster Screen nickel blitzes. They ran that really effectively against Denver, where it was like, I think it was three straight plays. Buster Scream was coming on the blitz. I We haven't really seen that all too much after that game. Let's do that. I think that's a great way to just create pressure when you're struggling to get it. So any way they can get it is obviously going to bode well for the Bears. But yeah, this this offensive line hasn't been playing as well. Let's see if the Bears can take advantage of it. Yeah, and due to just the wide receiver, you know, issues that Philadelphia is having, this may be a good game to utilize your nickel corner in some of those sneaky blitzes. And you know, Buster, he's been really good at that, not just last year with the Jets, but it was very productive in that limited spurts that we used them so far this season. So yeah, uh, that's a great point there, Nick, in terms of maybe bringing that back. But you mentioned Wentz; he's been under pressure lately. And I do believe, for me, uh, one of the keys to getting him, uh, you know, keeping him in check and make sure he doesn't go off against us is that pressure uh, three of his interceptions this season have came under pressure his pass rating dropped from a 99 to an 83.7 when he's under duress and obviously if the Bears can find a way to limit what Philadelphia can do in terms of running the ball uh, then obviously that allows Philadelphia not to be able to utilize play action as much as they like because once I've already said it he's a really good quarterback off of play action he hasn't thrown a pickoff play action this year he has the 10th most mess 10th most play action attempts on the season as well so for me my two te- my two keys to stopping Carson once one get pressure in his face and two at least limit the run to a point where play action is not a vital part of their offense. Do you have any other keys that you have in terms of keeping Wentz in check? You know, I, I, obviously pressure is going to be huge, but I think those edges need to just contain and hold that if that's their primary task, if they're not getting to the quarterback. Because Carson Wentz, I don't know how he gets out of some plays sometimes, but he consistently will do that, and he likes to hang on to the football for a good amount of time. He's always trying to look downfield, and that could be the advantage to the Bears just giving some more time for these edge rushers to go to that second counter move to try to get to the quarterback. Cause if nobody's open and looking at these wide receivers for the, the Eagles, they don't really scare me. That's the thing. And I think Carson Wentz is going to have to hold on to the football a little longer than what he would like to gives it more opportunities to get to him, but he is a good quarterback. He's crafty. He knows how to move the pocket and knows how to stand and take a hit, but deliver an accurate throw. He's, he's a complete package there, but like um, he just hasn't been asked to do as much lately, I would say, uh, especially in like some of the wins. It's more of the, the game manager type of role, just from what I'm seeing on film, and not necessarily a bad thing. He is being paid to be the guy, but if you can win that way as well, that's obviously what the, the Eagles are going to want to do, run the football, use play action where he's good at, not throwing a pick like you said, Will, and just being effective, but... I think if the, the Bears can definitely keep him in the pocket and keep him to hold on to that football a little longer, let's see if those interior guys can get to him. Let's see if a Leonard Floyd actually wins a one-on-one matchup after the second or third move that he has to try. But, yeah, I think that's how you can – that's the recipe for success against a good quarterback like Carson Wentz. And now, like I mentioned, the Eagles, they've had their fair share of struggles at the wideout position. Uh, it's affected that entire passing attack. Alshon Jeffrey, he doesn't look like himself. Nelson Aguilar, he isn't even really trying to catch the ball at times. Uh, the- <laughs> 
this has affected Zach Ertz. Uh, teams have been focusing on him a little bit more just due to some of the limited outside threats. And obviously the Eagles have found some good production out of running back Miles Sanders here. He's averaging 14.4 yards per catch, which is the highest in the NFL by a rookie running back since 1980, just to put that into perspective. Uh, so when I'm looking at some key matchups, I have Zach Ertz versus a Danny Trevathan, a ha-ha Clinton Dix, just to make sure nothing is easy over the middle of the field. Make sure that Ertz does not get behind him. Just keep him in front. He's going to get his looks. He's going to get his catches. Just make sure he doesn't get a lot of yards after contact. And of course, the other big one for me, uh, Alshon Jeffrey versus Kyle Fuller, because even though Jeffrey uh, hasn't been you know, the most productive receiver, especially not to his liking, he, his biggest game of the year was 76 yards on 10 catches. He's not that home run guy that we remember here in Chicago, at least this season. But that's still going to be a very physical matchup on the outside that I'll be paying attention to. I think there are going to be some contested balls. Fuller's going to be have some maybe some opportunities there, but that was a matchup uh, in the playoff game that was a pretty big one. So this is kind of a rematch of that one. But Nick, over to you. Do you have any key matchups through the air for the Eagles offense that you're paying attention to? You know, it's actually not even Zach Ertz because I think the Bears are going to be very uh, aware of who they want to stop in this offense, and that is Zach Ertz. But Dallas Goddard is a guy that you can't sleep on. He's a guy that uh, very physical. If you have a safety on him, like me, even a haha Clint Dix, that's a guy that can overpower some safeties, and you might have to go uh, bracket with a linebacker underneath and safety over top. But that's a guy that you just don't want to beat. I know uh, just watching the film, he had a fumble against Dallas. So and, and it was, that was a big issue for the Eagles in that game against Dallas. They couldn't hold on to the football. So hopefully they can come to fruition on Sunday against the Bears. But that's a guy, obviously not the main, not the main one. But if mm-hmm. Carson Wentz is holding on to the football, that obviously means Alshon Jeffrey didn't get open. Zach Ertz is, didn't get open. And now, looking to that third guy, Dallas Goddard would be that guy right now. Because like you said, Aguilar, uh, sometimes is just dropping passes and doesn't look like he wants the ball. But that's a guy that I would circle and don't want him to beat the Bears. Especially in the red zone. He has three catches in a red zone this year, and two of them were touchdowns. So if he's getting a target, he, more than likely it's going to be in the end zone as well. Uh, Dallas Goddard has been a very big red zone threat for them. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, maybe you look at Miles Sanders versus Roquan Smith. Obviously, Sanders, uh, that slippery back, knows how to pay, make people miss, and he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his looks. Obviously, we need to find a way to make sure he doesn't average about 15 yards per catch because that would be disastrous for that defense. So that's something else to keep in mind as well. But uh, let's go ahead. Our guest kind of hit on this week this week as well, but the Eagles are really, really good on third down. They're second in the NFL in third down conversion, and I think that's a large part of this game is going to be a finding the way to stop the Eagles from moving the sticks once you get them into third down. And so for me, I'm looking at keys. Mine is, the, well, I already mentioned it once, to stop the run because they do it on first down more than they throw, and they also average over four yards per rush on first and second down combined. That does put them in third and manageable a ton. And when you have a guy like a Carson Wentz, when you're in third and manageable, you're pretty much in a really golden situation. They always seem to be right in that third and manageable situation. Uh, I believe in terms of that, they're about 60% of the third downs. So, yeah, 60% of the Eagles third downs have been closer than six yards to go. That's, I don't even want to know what the Bears is. I didn't want to do the math because I'm sure it would have been quite the opposite. So the Bears just seem to find a way to put them in third and long, third and six plus, not third and less than six. And a lot of that's going to be stopping their run on first and second down, which they do that a ton. Uh, what about you, Nick? Any other keys to stopping them on third down? 
Yeah, just before I go into that, Will, just to add on to the rushing attack for the Eagles, again, going back to uh, Eagles athletic writer Shield, uh, first and second down rushing percentages. Over the years, the Eagles have kind of gone a different route in how they approach first and second down, especially when they're tied or winning by one to seven points. Right now, their rushing percentage, 60.3%, which is third in the NFL, the amount of times they are rushing on first and second down. There you so go. that's how they're getting into these manageable third down situations, putting them in success to have longer sustained drives. But I think, again, it's going to be – I'm just going to reiterate what you said. Well, it's stopping that from happening on first and second down. Jordan Howard, you know, is going to fall forward. You need to be able to get penetration through the gaps, not let these offensive linemen get to the second level, and that really goes up front. The guys up front need to have a huge game. If they're not making the tackle, make sure those offensive linemen are not getting to Roquan, not getting to Dan Trevathan, because we saw a resurgent game from Roquan Smith, which is great to see. Both those inside linebackers, really, for the Bears, had a really good game, and it was due in part because the defensive line was doing their job, not allowing those offensive linemen to get to the second level. So that's going to be the key to success, just being able to get these running backs even if they have to make moves in the backfield to gain a one yard, you know, gain, that's going to be huge for the Bears. But mm-hmm. that will be ultimately what puts the Bears in a position to succeed when it comes to third down defense. Do you have anything else on that Eagles offense or anything else on that Bears defense you want to hit on? You know, I mean, in terms of their wide receivers, like you said, we're not too worried there. Offense, we know they're going to run the football a lot. They're going to try to establish the run, but it's really going to be, I think, Sanders out of the backfield that he can make some guys miss. He was a guy that I really liked. I was, I would have been okay with the Bears drafting him, but he might be the the X factor for the Eagles in this game in terms of how they want to maybe just extend drives because we know that Roquan and Dan Trevathan are good tacklers in space, but he's going to test that. You saw what Eckler did on the one, you know, the few opportunities he had gets a touchdown on Dan Trevathan because he lapped. There's a simple lapse for one play. You can't have that happen, especially even though he's only a rookie, Miles Sanders. He'll make you pay. All right, so I have a couple tasty treats. Is that better? <laughs> that is a lot better. <laughs> uh, so for me, uh, like every week, uh, turnovers is going to be a key. But just to put it into some per, uh, perspective for this week, the Eagles have only two turnovers and their four wins combined. And their four losses, they turned the ball over 12 times. So a huge disparity. If you can force the Eagles into turnovers, usually you can find a way to win those games. And in the red zone, uh, pay attention to Jordan Howard and pay attention to their running game because they run the ball way more than they pass it once they reach inside the 20. Howard, he takes 47% of all their runs inside the 20. Uh, He has 19 on the season. And out of those 19 runs inside the 20, Five of them have been touchdowns. And to put it in perspective, the entire Eagles as a team have 22 completions in the red zone. Jordan Howard has 19 runs, and it's only 47% of their runs. So they um, so they run it almost twice the amount that they pass it in the red zone. So watch out when you're in the inside the red zone. The Bears run defense. That's when they need to be at their best. Uh, and then red zone and third down stats – Bears defense in the red zone, 14th in the NFL at 54%. Eagles offense, 6th in the NFL with that heavy rushing attack at 65%. 
And flipping over to third down, the Bears defense is fifth in the NFL still at 33%. And this is going to be a fun battle because the Eagles offense, they're second in the NFL, converting at 49% of the time. So it's going to be an interesting chess match on third down with two of the best going at it at their respective units. So it's time to find out who has the edge. And I'll go ahead and begin with that Bears pass rush versus that Eagles offensive line. And this one's tough. And I'm going to give the slight edge to the Bears here because if they play up to their potential, if they play up to their talent, which is a big if uh, because that's been missing in action for quite some time, I'm hopeful that you know this could be a week where Max Impact gets felt and maybe a guy or two outside of him will kind of step up. Again, this is a very close one, unfortunately, because it should be a cakewalk. But I'm going to go ahead and go Bears. And Nick, I'll go over to you for that Bears run defense versus that Eagles ground game. And he said you weren't worried about Jordan Howard, so put your money where your mouth is yeah i'm going with the bears uh rushing defense uh again jordan howard's a good back he's been doing some good things for the eagles i just don't see that happening in this matchup they're gonna have to look the eagles are gonna commit regardless of what the score is they're gonna run jordan howard but we'll see how that turns out when you go against a bears defense that's pretty you know scout in terms of filling their gaps they're sound at that they're pretty good even without an akeem hicks so it just can't be a, a game that looked like the Raiders or something like that where they're just getting pushed off the line. I think the Eagles, they have some potential to do that, but I just think when it comes to this game, this matchup, the Bears will come up ready to play. So I'm going to give it to the Bears. All right, the last one we have to do here, Bears secondary versus the Eagles passing attack. I'm going to go Bears. What about you? I have to go Bears as well. N- none of those guys really uh, scare me, but yeah, I'll have to go Bears on that one. And that's what it comes down to. I think the Bears, they have stopped more talented groups. Just need to kind of stay in the same page when you're in zone coverage and just win your matchups when they're presented to you because the Bears can stop. They have stopped more talented units. Just got to make sure you live up to your standard. Uh, so for X Factor, of course, we're replacing it with Trick or Treat yet again. Uh, my treat on defense will be Roquan Smith because his arrow is pointing up, and I think that's going to continue. Uh, he's going to help and hold Miles Sanders to only 40 total yards, which will be a huge win uh, for the Bears on Sunday. And I think we're going to get tricked by Leonard Floyd yet again, so maybe it's not even a trick. It's an expected trick. Uh, it's like one of those pranks that just happens uh, all too often uh, because, again, we said it. He has matchups to have a good game, but I think he's going to end up being you know, disappearing uh, yet again, so he's more like that Halloween ghost. Uh, so, Nick, how about you? What's going to be your trick and treat for the X Factor? I'll go with my treat, which will be Bilal Nichols. I talked about him earlier in this game. I think he's going to have to have a good game in terms of just, one, not allowing those linemen to get up to Roquan and Trevathan. But let's see how we can do now that he has more mobility in that hand that he broke earlier this season. And I think with Bilal Nichols and how he played last year, he was on the uptrend. So I want to see if he can put it all together. The trick is... I'm going to go with HaHa Clint Dixon this one. I think they obviously the Eagles have some very talented tight ends. And I think HaHa is going to be asked to, you know, guard these guys one on one. I talked about Dallas Goddard. That's a guy that you can't have any mental lapses on any given play because that could be the time where Carson Wentz maybe just extending the play a little bit finds a guy like that. So that's where I'm going to have my trick on that one. I think he's going to give up a player too. All right, let's go ahead. And let's talk about special teams just real quick. Anything on your radar? Are you going to get into the whole hash mark debate that I've been watching unfold off and on this week? You know, I talked about this with uh, Charlie on the audio mailbag. Look, Matt Nagy needs to be aware of that. He needs to be aware where Eddie Pinero likes to kick, but it should have come down to Pinero's just got to make the 41-yarder. That's what it comes down to. I mean, 
I think Tabor said it earlier today. Like he would have liked to see Pinero just make it. Obviously, he missed a 33-yarder Me earlier too. in that game. Yeah, we we all would have liked to see it, Will. But that's how this season has gone. That's what it comes down to. Maybe just having more communication, especially when it comes to a game-winning field goal. You would think out of all the things that could you would have communication on, that would be the thing, especially how it ended last season against this very team. The Bears are going to play on Sunday. That should be something that's solidified. They know what they're going to do. They know where the kicker likes to kick. But still, it's not crystal clear as to why that still ended up happening. But, yeah, that's all I got. Okay, I just wanted to know. I didn't know I was going to set you off like that. But <laughs> I just have two quick things on the Eagles, and then we can move on from special teams. Uh, Philadelphia uh, kicker Jake Elliott, he's one of four left in the NFL without a miss this season. And their punter Cam Johnston, uh, he's third in the NFL in net average. Uh, but now it's time to enter the final segment of our show and let's go ahead like we always do with our bold predictions and nick what's going to be your bold prediction for this week nine wild card rematch for this week nine wild card rematch and i know the eagles have a stout run defense they have a lot of playmakers up there but david montgomery's gonna keep it going i haven't talked about a lot about david montgomery uh, on this podcast so far i don't know why but uh, i expect him to have 23 carries so that means matt Nagy is committing to the run once again for 110 yards and a touchdown, similar to what Ezekiel Elliott did. But I think David Montgomery's just going to have a good game. And if they run, they just got to run a little bit. Like you said, they're good at – or the Eagles are bad at guarding the, the shotgun run formations. But Matt Nagy's just got to put a little bit of both. Eye formation, shotgun, under center. Everything should be on the table this week. Keep the run game going. I think David Montgomery has a big game. All right, my bold prediction is about David Montgomery as well, Nick, so that's pretty exciting. I have David Montgomery is going to outrush Jordan Howard, and he's going to score two times the amount of touchdowns. How do you like that? I like that a lot. It's pretty bold, too, so I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that would just – I think there's still people that are a little, what, hurt that the Bears traded Jordan Howard, and I think last week kind of helped them know that this was a good decision getting David Montgomery, but – if he has some a game like that, Will, that will definitely put into perspective that the Bears made the right decision. I mean, you could have had Cohen, Howard, and Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah, see? <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's that next level that you have to take the conversation, and you're like, damn, that may have been pretty – that wouldn't have been a bad situation either. But uh, moving over to our MVB predictions, Nick, I'm feeling pretty good. My last two, I had Allen Robinson two weeks ago. I had Danny Trevathan predicted – last week, and I felt really good about both of those. So here we go. You ready? Yeah. Anthony Miller time. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Anthony Miller, he has 12 catches and over 180 yards in his last three games combined. I like the way he's starting to trend. Obviously, I think the Eagles, their secondary can be exploited by some quicker wide receivers that know how to run routes. The key here, of course, is Mitchell Trubisky. But I do believe the Eagles are going to focus away, like I said earlier, taking away Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, They remember what he did in the second half of the playoffs. They know what he can do. So they're going to focus on him, which will open the door for Anthony Miller. So for me, I am expecting a big game out of Miller. He's going to lead the team in receiving yards, and he's going to have a touchdown, which will be enough to make him MVB this week. What's going to be your prediction for MVB? I'm going to go with Eddie Jackson, who didn't get an opportunity to play in this wild card game come January. Now let's see him actually play. We haven't seen or heard a lot about Eddie Jackson this season, which is 
pretty disappointing. But I think this is the game where Carson Wentz is going to try testing him. This is not Adrian Amos anymore. This is Eddie Jackson, who hasn't had the year that we've all been expecting. But come time to make plays, I'm going to take Eddie Jackson most times. So I think that it's just going to come down to where there are those opportunistic plays where Eddie Jackson usually comes up with the football or makes a big play. This is the time to do it. So Eddie Jackson's going to be my MVP for this one. Yeah, that's a good choice. And I'm starting to get upset by, you know, just his play because he hasn't seen him. You know, we haven't seen him do what he's usually doing. And just the national narrative starting to change. The, instead of superstar Eddie Jackson, it's now, oh, Eddie Jackson's a young safety with, you know, really good potential. And I'm like, no, he's he's not. I mean, he <laughs> is, but, like, he's more than that. So I really want them uh, or him to kind of change that narrative because he's a better player than we're seeing this year. And yeah. sometimes it is being in the right place at the right time, but usually he has those instincts to be in that right place i know teams fear him and they look away a little bit so yeah it's a good time for danny uh, danny eddie jackson to come back and so for me uh like you said he didn't play in it that game last year it's time to have his resurgence as well but time for your game prediction and i'm really curious where this goes because before we went live i asked you because i wanted to kind of peek into your notes and you wouldn't let me and you said he didn't know who you had so we talked about the game we we talked about all the ins and outs you know where all the strengths and weaknesses lie Who's going to win? I still don't know. Uh, so we were talking about this whole entire time. It is obviously the games in Philadelphia. The Bears, can they exploit the Eagles secondary? I don't know, but I still expect the Bears to somehow rush the football effectively. If the Bears want to have any hope in the 2019 season, they have to win this game. This is a very desperate football team. To lose four straight, it's tough to lose four straight. We said that about the Chargers. We said that last week, yeah. We said that about the Chargers, and guess what? They came out with the victory somehow, some way. Somehow, some way, the Bears end up with this victory, Will. And people are going to say I'm a homer just because, look, I have the Bears winning in a matchup that maybe doesn't favor them, but I have it happening. I have them actually coming on all cylinders, coaching, defense, special teams, offense, doing just enough to get out of Philadelphia with a victory. I think it'll be close, and I think there'll be a little bit more scoring than what most people are anticipating. 23-20, Bears. Interesting. Very similar to my final score of 24-20, Eagles. Okay, yeah. So I mean, uh, it's I know, and I'm keeping it because I wrote in my notes. But the more we talk about this and we go through the process of you and I actually having the conversation of all the ins and outs, I feel like the Bears stack up better than maybe how I thought when I was preparing for the show. But I just feel like it's just one of those games where, I don't know, I just feel like it, you said there's a lot in the line, and I know there is, but there also is for the Eagles because they're sitting there at 500, and they're in a, you know, they need to keep pace, and they're looking for a while, you know, not a while, the playoff spot. So they're going to be playing. They're not going to just roll over. Uh, they're at home. The Bears are on the road. I don't know. I just, there's, and I don't like how the Eagles, their strength, which is their run defense, is going to take away what we need, our running attack, in order to kind of set up our offense. That's what worries me the most. Yeah, and it's a valid point. And look, it could go either way, but I just, I man, with this season how it's been, and you, it, what was it? A couple of players have come up to Nagy saying, "We got this, we got this." I mean, look, it's just talk. It's not that doesn't mean anything. It literally means nothing. Go show down in the field. So we'll see what happens. But like I said, I got a feeling that the Bears just kind of everything just finally lines up. They get a victory, come out of Philadelphia, and they're back at 500. I really need to find out when's the last time I went against the Bears, Nick. I think that may have been 2017. 
Really? You haven't? There hasn't been any times where not last year. Ever... Last year, I had the same record as them. I was twelve and four. <laughs> oh man, I know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm the one who's going off the rails here a little bit. But that's okay. That's a good thing. They can prove me wrong. The one time I do it is when they're going to prove me wrong. That's going to be great, and I'm going to love it. But. Yeah, this is the week where I'm going to, I, I love it. I love that they're confident and they're saying that I've been reading a book about how to like dissolve the ego and work more off of like some pride and humility. And it's a lot about don't say it because if you say it, your brain has a difference of does it has, it has a hard time disassociating saying you're going to do something and actually doing it. Like it fires the same chemical reaction in your brain. So don't say it's a coach. Just have it in your heart. Like you're going to, you have his back. You're going to do it because when you say it, your brain literally thinks that you did it. And that's not a good thing. So that's a quick little snippet uh, from Will's Personal Life Book Reading Club. Uh, Maybe I should start one one day. But confidence meter and final thought, Nick? (laughs) I'm not very confident in my prediction. What do you Uh, got? Maybe like a a six. So it could happen. It could not happen. Like I said, I got a feeling that it does. Because if not, man, come Monday, that – Knowing that the Bears season is basically over, I just don't. Maybe I just don't want. It. Maybe I'm just naive and don't want to get to that point with what there would be eight games left. Is that right? Two, four, six, eight games left in the season. But yeah, I'll go just a six. Not very confident that the Bears will win. Like I said, everything needs to align right for them to come out with a victory against Philadelphia. So if that doesn't happen, then obviously it's going to be your prediction that comes true. Uh, I'm at a 4.8 overall for the week, uh, maybe a 4.9 after we talked everything through. But like you said, Nick, the Bears will be playing with some urgency, uh, some effort. They know they pretty much need to win out in order to make the playoffs at this point. But the Eagles team, they're in a very similar boat, like I said. So, And, I, and to be blunt, I think they're going to be better coached this week. So the Bears, sure. they'll hang around in there, uh, but they're not going to have that type of execution needed, uh, at least for me to have a lot of confidence in this one. The Eagles are a beatable team. Let me be clear and honest, the Bears should. Eh, the Bears could beat the could. Eagles, but the Bears, they're a beatable team too. And oftentimes, Nick, the Bears also beat themselves. So it's like two teams against one. It's the Bears and the Eagles versus the Bears. Who's going to win? <laughs> and usually uh, that's a bad combination for any team, but that's kind of where I sit right now. It's the Bears and the Eagles, and they're all facing the Bears, and hopefully the Bears find a way uh, to win this one. Uh, but, Nick, before we wrap up, uh, I didn't tell you this on purpose. I just want to let you know on the show, uh, now that we're at the end, today on Halloween 2019, we did eclipse 3 million podcast downloads all time. Wow, that's that's incredible, Will. Um I mean, again, it's testament to our dedication to this, to our fans that just keep coming back despite what the Bears are doing. Again, thank you to everybody that listens to this podcast all around the world, which I think is just the coolest thing, Will, to know that mm-hmm. people are li- listening to our insight, wanting to know what's going on with the Bears, but $3 million, that's that's quite an accomplishment. Thank you to you for bringing me on here, and you know we're just doing a really good job. So that's awesome. Wow. Pat yourself on the back some more. On the shoulder pad. <laughs> right in the shoulder pads. The Jay Cutler shoulder padded linebacker shoulder pads yeah. that you have up there on this great Halloween. But, yeah, I'll just reiterate what you said. I do appreciate everyone. Literally, uh, three million is incredible. And the fact that I think it took us almost four years to reach our first million. And now in the last two years, we've had about a million each per season. That's pretty damn remarkable. And, again, it's a testament to our consistency, but also everyone else's consistency for tuning in to each and every episode. And I know we have a lot of people here on YouTube and all the other streaming services that check in as well. And 
even though we're you know excited about these podcast numbers, like we appreciate everyone here on YouTube that tunes into the live show. You get to see our faces. You get a little bit more personable with it. It's a lot of fun to talk with you in the chat, or at least kind of watch it roll. Nick jumps in a little bit more than I'm able to here during these live <laughs> shows. But literally, uh, everyone, and I say it all the time, but no matter who you are, where you are, and how you consume our show, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. And I guess with a 3 million downloads, it's a good time to make sure if you haven't yet uh, to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. I think we're at 539. Once we reach 600, we get to give away another Chicago Bears jersey every time we reach a century mark. Uh, we tend to do that. But Nick, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, up next will be Will Ingles' five matchups to watch as we kind of wrap up this week of previews. And, of course, the next time to hear from Nick and I, we'll be breaking down all the action that unfolded on Sunday. Even though I have the Bears predicted to lose, I hope I'm talking about a Chicago Bears victory, and I know you are hoping for the same exact thing. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.